Hey everybody, Eric Tillman here and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Series Podcast. This is episode 39. This next guest, you may know him from Flip or Flop on HGTV. He is the preferred contractor. His name is Jeff Lawrence. We talk about his experience on the show, his relationship between Tark and Christina, but also we get into his own business outside of the show. Make sure you follow him on all forms of social media and make sure you head over to wherever you listen to podcasts, like, subscribe, and follow the Pro Series podcast. And now I hope you enjoy episode 39 with Jeff Lawrence. Awesome. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me on the Pro Series podcast today. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, Eric? Thank you for joining me. I'm excited. I've, you know, seen you on HGTV for years. So it's really cool to be able to sit down and talk to you on how you got started in the business and um, all your companies that you've been telling me off camera. So it's really, I'm really excited to talk about those all three. Awesome. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning, how you got into the construction business. How was it always something when you're growing up, something you were interested in? You know, what's funny is, is growing up on the weekends, I used to go with my mom and, and for fun, we would actually walk model homes. And I know it sounds kind of odd. It's not what no. every mom and son is going to do on the weekends, right? Yeah. But I always have loved design and I've loved floor plans. So I like layouts and I like seeing how different houses mesh, um, what works, what doesn't. And so that, that's kind of what I did on the weekends for fun. However, uh, my parents were both teachers. So initially when I started going to college, I was going to be a teacher, right? You, you tend to follow in the footsteps of your parents. Yeah. Uh, then I took a, a business marketing class and I had a professor Newman. So if you happen to see this professor Newman, you changed my life. Uh, and he had just brought out that charisma that I loved about business. Right. So that drew me into the business world. When I graduated from, from college, I, I actually went to work for Lehman Brothers. So I don't know if you remember Lehman Brothers, but yeah. largest financial institution in the world at the time, government said, we're going to bail out AIG or we're going to bail out Lehman. And Lehman is too big to fail. So they decided to bail out AIG in which caused Lehman Brothers to fail. So through our contacts that we've had at Lehman Brothers, we had people that went into asset management, et cetera. And that got us contacts into the foreclosed homes. Therefore, we started up a new business and that was managing foreclosed properties. So we had come in and we'd do uh, the evictions in the beginning. And then we'd have to come after that and do the trash outs, the gardening, the janitorials, and then generally maintain the houses. So if windows were broken or whatever it may be, we had to go in there and fix those, right? Yeah. Uh, that somewhat steamrolled into other things, getting our contractor's license, and knowing that I've always had this passion for building, the passion for design, uh, I just knew that this was going to be the, the route that we were going to take from here on out. Uh, so it's kind of how we got started. It, it's kind of by chance that, that all of this happened, right? Yeah. So, so um, foreclosure homes, I've never talked about this on the podcast. When you go in, you, you have absolutely no idea what's going on in that house when you go in, right? No. So what is the, the craziest thing you've seen when you went into a foreclosure home? Where do you start, really? <laughs> um, 
we've had, so we had one house in which uh, we went in and, and the mattress had blood essentially on it. And uh, that house come to find out it was a physician that was getting ready to open up a new location. So he had just moved into this house. Neighbors didn't know him. People around didn't know him. His family thought that reaching out to him for a few days wasn't going to be something uncommon because he's probably busy moving, probably busy trying to open up his new practice, right? Well, after about a week or so, apparently, this is what the neighbor told us, is that the person never showed up to work and people started calling and the fire department showed up and there he was in bed. So he had passed away in bed. Um, that was, was one of the nastier ones. Um, the, the bank had to go get somebody to take out any biohazard material because we were, we were not licensed to do that. Yeah. Um, but just walking in the house and discovering that and then having to call the asset manager back and tell him, Hey, got a little bit of a scenario on your hands here. Um, We've had houses, uh, gang-infested houses. So we've had houses in which we've been encountered with people that have sawed-off shotguns in their pants. Um, we've had houses where we found drugs, a lot of stolen stuff. Um, people that had computers that were in the house that were, I'm assuming that they're taking people's identities with these computers. Yeah. Um, we've had, for the most part, when you go to do the eviction. So by the time you show up with a sheriff, we've only had two people and I would say I've done 700 to 800 evictions, somewhere in the neighborhood of that. Wow. Only two people have ever been in the actual house. So one of them, it was a little kid and parents were Spanish speakers. Mm-hmm. So for me to have to talk to the kid and the sheriff to have to talk to the kid, we had to talk to him. And then he has to translate that over to his parents. So that was, uh, that, that kind of hit me hard. Um, at that time, I didn't have kids. But seeing a, what I'm assuming he was about four years old, having to tell his parents that they were having to leave the house. And I I remember him looking at me and he kind of just looked up at me and said, so you mean this isn't our house anymore? And I mean, you want to talk about total heartbreak, right? Um, Knowing that I have to tell this kid, he doesn't understand that parents didn't pay the mortgage or Maybe mom and dad lost a job. Who knows what happened, what the circumstances are that led up to this. But having to tell him, because his parents don't understand what the sheriff's saying, what I'm having to say. I just have paperwork that I have to stick up on the window that says you can no longer come back into the property. Um, that That was probably one of the hardest things. I mean, we've dealt with drug addicts and gang members and all kinds of things. And the reality of it is, is everybody that we've dealt with, I like to treat everybody with respect, right? So I've never actually had a confrontation with anybody. Uh, When, when gang members are in the house and I know they're using it as their, their smash pad, then I come in and tell them, Hey, I'm not here to do X, Y, and Z. I'm here to clean this place up. So if you guys have personal possessions that you want, I'm not going to take it. You guys come get whatever you need. And then we'll go ahead and clean out the house. Yeah. Full well knowing that within a week, they're going to break another window in the back. They'll be back in the house and, and they'll occupy it again. Yep. So I know that I'm going to have to continue seeing all these people, right? Because every time there's a broken window, I've got to go out and fix the window. Every time they 
kick holes in the drywall or break plumbing. A lot of copper theft was really, really common back then. So if there was a house that got flooded out because you had some guy in the middle of the night comes and decides to steal all the copper, guess who has to come back? Um, So with the foreclosures, man, that that could be really interesting, really, really interesting. And that's really what started our company. Yeah, that could be a whole TV show within itself. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know if people want to see that. that, That's a... That's a, that's a, some of it's heartbreak. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of, um, some, some houses you're dealing with that are hoarders and, you know, then you've got the, the mental illness that's behind that. Um, some houses you wouldn't want to portray somebody losing their house. I mean, that's true. You know, in America, that's our number one possession. That's what we prize the most. And, you know, throughout the world, you know, your home is where your heart is, right? Yeah. So you're telling somebody that you're ripping them away from their heart that's 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 not a good thing to do and even at that time uh my wife and i were actually because we lost our jobs with lehman brothers um we were behind on our mortgage so i fully understood the hassles um the pain that some of these people were going through and having to let them know that this is no longer your house because I knew that at that time we were behind on our mortgage since both of us worked for Lehman Brothers at the same time. Both of us got laid off at the same time. So I fully understood where these people were coming from. Some people lost their jobs I and mean, some people just decided to go get another house. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I understood where these people were coming from. And, and it's yeah. I, I don't know that I'd want to be a part of a show like that. Yeah, that's true. And they probably res- they probably respected you for that because you you kind of went in on good terms and just just doing your job, but you also knew where they were coming from. Just right. really good for them. Yeah, and there there's companies. It's, it's kind of like if you're dealing with a, a repossession company or a debt creditor, whoever they are. Um, there's people that take the empathetic route, mm-hmm. and then there's people that are like, "No, get out of my way." we're taking possession and we're taking it right now. So although I stood a firm ground, right? And I let them know I am taking possession of the property. I also would let them know if you need a couple hours to get a last few things out, no problem, no problem at all. If you have possessions that you can't get out today and you want me to store it for you, then we can store it for you. Here's my phone number. Feel free to give me a call and I'll set up a time with you to come back and get your possessions because the last thing you want is somebody to lose their house and then all of a sudden you're, they're losing their possessions as well. Right. Yeah. And in California, we actually have a law where we can't move their possessions for a certain amount of time. And then once we do move it, if it's anything valued over a certain dollar amount, we have to then store it. And those people have to pay to get their possessions back. So all the moving costs, all the storage fees, all of that, they have to reimburse us for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had never had somebody actually come back and want their possessions, but you know, we had rented a few storage units and put stuff in there and once yeah. a month go through and cycle it. Yeah. At least you're keeping like, if it's family um, stuff, that has been passed down through the families and stuff that you just keep. That's nice. You at least do that. And that's a right. lot to do that. Right. Um, so so that's the start of your company. Um, you said on off screen, you have three companies. Is right. that one of them? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the initial company, so what you guys see on TV is CS, right? Okay. And how CS started was clean sweep. 
So because we were going in and cleaning out houses, sweeping them up, getting them ready for the banks to go out and resell, right? Get them off their books. We kind of did like the, the play on sports terms. Those like a, the sports term of clean sweep, right? Yeah. So if somebody swept their team, well, this is what we used it kind of as our analogy to give the company name. So clean sweep transitioned into CS once we went from uh, foreclosure, trash out, REO maintenance company into the construction side. Um, we no longer wanted to be that. Plus, I, like, I would have people like come up to me and they would see my shirt and they'd see clean sweep on the back. And they're like, oh, you own a street sweeping company. And I'm like, no, 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 not a street sweeping company. Oh, you're a chimney sweep. No, I'm not a chimney sweep either. Uh, you know, and then you have to get into the, the explanation of we manage foreclosed homes. And that generally is not an easy conversation to have with people, um, especially if some of these people had either lost their house themselves or they knew maybe their brother, sister, parent, whoever, a neighbor had lost their home. So, you know, especially at that time, you're, you're talking the 2008, 2009, when all the foreclosures were going on. Yeah. And, then, and then after that, you had a moratorium that was put on in California. Uh, Governor Schwarzenegger at that time extended the moratorium for another year. So through those moratoriums, our work slowed down tremendously. And that's how we transitioned into the construction. So the CS is the construction company. That's what you see in California. That's what's on TV. Yeah. We also do um, various remodeling projects and have other clients that are outside of Targ's company. Mm -hmm. uh, then we own another company that does real estate development. And we um, own some land that's out of state. That one's out in Arizona. And uh, that one, I just grade it, build new houses. And once it's ready to list, then I sell them. So just like what you would see in, in any um, new home neighborhood, yeah, uh, we do that type of building out there. Uh, that one's solely our company. And then we have a third company, which manages all of our rental portfolio. So uh, I'm taking, I'm taking lessons, right? Yeah. So before working for Lehman Brothers, I was uh, getting a paycheck in and we had a new boat. We had a new sand rail. We had a new motorhome. You know, we're, we're going on vacations to Mexico and, you know, we're doing all kinds of things. Right. And now I've been watching and, and, you know, like Tark has the classes that he does. Right. Yeah. And I'm a student of Tark's. So I've been watching uh, over the past, gosh, what's it been 10 years or so now that we've been working together, uh, what he's done, um, what one of his partners has done and just buying all of these rental properties. So now we've gotten into buying all rental properties and that third company manages all of our rentals. Very cool. Which, I mean, this is probably going to be, it's probably like asking what's your favorite kid, but what's your absolute favorite part or which new construction to rental to construction flip? What is your favorite? What would you want to be doing when you're you know, retired? Well, when I'm retired, you know, well, that's easy. The rentals. Okay. <laughs> I can't be retired and, and be on the field every day, but uh, you know, they're all different. Um, shoot. You know, like California, it, it's obviously it's nice that I can be at home. I get to see my kids every day. Um, the traffic isn't fun to deal with, mm -hmm. uh, but you get that sense of design and um, instant gratification as you see these houses start to come together. Right. That's really fun. Um, 
Tark and I have a really good relationship. So we've built a friendship over the years. And so it's, it's fun. And I hope it comes across camera that people see oh, yeah. over the years, we've gotten to where we're joking more. I'm giving the guy a hard time. I love to see that guy sweat. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I love to see him sweat. You know, it's, it's fun to watch Christina laugh when I give Tark a hard time. So, you know, all that stuff is fun to me. Um, that makes California really interesting. So I, I love that company. Um, but like I said, they all are my babies and, um, the Arizona, the development company, I would say that one gives me the most satisfaction. And the reason being is I create all of the floor plans. So every single piece of that house has been created by me. So on the flips, I can go and I can, I can take a square box like this and I can move a wall or I can take whatever I want out. I can change all the cabinet layouts, but there's only so much you can do there, right? With new home building, I get to figure out where every single wall is going to be. And yeah. if you go on to our, uh, our pages and you see the new homes that are being built, you'll see every single one of my houses I build with these massive RV garages. I love toys. Oh, okay. And I say all the time how much I love toys. Um, so, you know, that's just something personal for me. I like the boats. I like motorhomes. I like the sand rails and the razors and all that fun stuff. I like classic cars. So my dream is that when I retire, I have a nice big motorhome and a boat and a sand rail and a car lift in my garage so I can go work on cars and all that fun stuff. Um, so that, that one really is nice. Um, the rentals, the rentals are, are nice and it's the, the lowest hours that you have to work on a company. Uh, so that's great. Uh, going out to see the rentals, I haven't even seen any of these in person. So that makes it very nice. And the fact of um, for the amount of hours that I'm putting into something, it's the lowest amount of hours. But then you have the downside of that where you're dealing with tenants that are late or um, tenants that have damaged things and whatnot. You've got the issue that just happened with COVID, right? And a lot of these states had put on uh they put written, not laws, but they had written regulations into where tenants maybe didn't have to pay rent. And even tenants that were getting extra money, what they don't realize is that, hey, 90% of landlords in the United States are just like me. You know, we're mom and pop people. So when you pay your rent, you also pay for the food that goes in my kid's mouth. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that's a little tough. But again, you have to be somewhat empathetic to the people. So when, when COVID had first happened, I had text the, uh, our manager that's out there and said, Hey, if any of these people have lost their job for the next two months, tell them they don't need to pay rent. If they still have plenty of money coming in, then yeah, they need to pay their rent. Mm -hmm. But if they've lost their job, I know what it's like losing a job. And then all of a sudden being stressed about paying my bills and you know, paying mortgage, which is essentially just rent to the bank. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we, we never actually own our house until we've got until we've got that deed in our hands. We don't own our house. The people that own the house and pay the mortgage, they're just paying rent to the bank. That's all they're doing. Exactly. Uh, so. So, you know, I understand where they're coming from. And that one was a little tough because there are some people that take advantage of it, not having to pay rent. And maybe they're going out and buying new cars or toys or whatever it is. And. So that, that's a little frustrating knowing that you're taking food directly out of my kid's mouth. Uh, but there's people that legitimately 
couldn't pay. I mean, we had uh, uh, one particular household where um, I believe the guy was a landscaper and I think the wife might've been a caregiver. Well, now that people are home and they're no longer having to work, they can take care of their own yards and they don't need anybody to babysit their kids or, you know, grandma or whoever it is. Yeah. So um, both of them had lost their jobs and we worked with them for a few months on not having to pay. And, and I didn't make them pay back rent or anything like that. It's just, yeah. hey, this, this, Merry Christmas. Right? Yeah. And again, that's kind of speaks wonders to you um, taking your own life experiences that you went through and then putting, implementing them into your business. Cause you know, you hear so many of those stories past three years when COVID happened and people are, evicted of homes and you know they're unemployed or they're in a uh industry that they couldn't work so it's yeah. nice to hear these type of stories and kudos to you for dealing with it that way thank you yeah so when when you talk about your relationship with Tarek, but how did that segue into you going into the tv were you working together for a couple of years before the tv show ever came about so, so Targ knew who I was um, prior to the show, and we, we had done a few small projects, but uh, I hadn't met him in person, and I hadn't had really any relationship built up with him. He knew who I was. Now, there's another show, I don't know if you are going to remember this, but there's another show called Vintage Flip, and uh, Jesse and his wife, they were on that show. Jesse Rodriguez was a client of mine for several years before I had met Tarek and Tarek and Jesse had, had become really close friends for a number of years. That's how we actually came to know Tarek and established that relationship with him. Jesse had said, look, I've got this guy that's doing some houses for me and he does a great job. He's getting things done on time. He's staying on budget. I'm not getting hit with a bunch of change orders, which to me for my, my business model is huge. Mm -hmm. right? So we are a production-based construction company. So I will tell people, I don't get into the crazy fire features, right? I'll leave that to, to Jesse Escalera, the guy that does all the landscaping. Yeah. Uh, we don't get into the crazy lights and, you know, all the rot. Uh, we don't get into that stuff. We are a production-based company. And, and the reason that I created that as our niche is uh, when we're dealing with multiple houses at one time, I have to keep everything on track, right? And I am, what I, what I like to say is I'm a master scheduler. So I have uh, pages that have everything listed out by the month and every single day, every single property, what I expect to happen. Now, the way that I run the subs or whoever it may be is if you're not finished with your job, then the other guy's coming in right behind you. So I usually give a one day leeway but our subs have been with us for so long that they know, hey, when Jeff says that you better be done by Tuesday, guess what? You better be done by Tuesday because he has somebody coming in right behind you on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's just kind of how I've established the company, how I've run it. Very um, it's what sets us apart from many of the other people. Yeah. And in reality, that's what's had us um, stay with, even with Tart. You know, that's what's kept clients for us because we have a lot of, very long-term clients that have been extremely loyal and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but they know the way that we have the company set up is uh, production based. So they know that, Hey, I don't need to guess if Jeff tells me four to six weeks, 
it's not going to be longer than six weeks. And sometimes it's three, three weeks or three and a half weeks, depending on how um, detailed the project is. Yeah. Have you ever thought of doing the classes kind of like Tarek on uh, other contractors in around the United States on how to run a business? Cause I, in my area, I, I haven't found a, a contractor that works that way. It's very hard for me to find a reliable contractor. Um, and I think that like your business, um, all three of your business, you obviously have the experience. Have you ever thought about teaching other contractors how to run? You know, I, here's the hard thing with contracting is, and, th- and this is what I've learned over the years. And some of you contractors out there, you guys might agree with me and, and some I might make upset right now, but uh, contracting in general is, um, can be very flaky. Yeah. So you're taking a lot of people that know you've got a lot of guys that are contractors that they know their trade. They know their trade extremely well, but they don't know how to run a business. Right. So when I came into this, I know how to run a business. So I don't know all the trades to a T. I know exactly how this should be done, but you're not seeing me in there doing specific things. Right. So you might see me tile. You, you see me doing the things that I know mm-hmm. and the things that I don't know, I'm smart enough to let somebody else do that. Right. So if you're the expert in this field, then I'm going to pay you extra to get it done. And I want it done. Right. Because I don't like going back to houses for warranty issues and whatnot. So one big thing with me is make it functional. I want the house functional and I don't want to come back for warranty issues afterwards. It's much harder to deal with a property after somebody's moved in than it is to go through, create punch lists, check all these items in the front end, and then, you know, get them fixed right now versus praying that nothing's going to happen later on down the road. Yeah. Um, With many contractors, because they know the trades and they don't know the business aspect of it, uh, they kind of go the way that they were brought up within that field, right? They were brought up within the field to go from point A to point B. And then from point B to point C is somebody else. C to D is somebody else. D to E, somebody else, right? So given that they're used to that type of work scenario, generally they don't schedule it the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people can't keep them on budget. So you you get hit with these massive change orders that aren't necessarily the client's fault because sometimes you have change orders that somebody wants, right? They want to add a a staircase or they want to move a wall or whatever it may be. That's a legitimate change order. Oh, yeah. But because a contractor doesn't know how to bid, that's to me, that's not a legitimate change order. Now, given the last couple of years with COVID and the way material pricing has gone, um, I understand the need for escalation clauses because we've got lumber that's four or five times the price of what it was before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our materials are delayed. You've got uh, workers comp, has, at least in California, has nearly doubled for us. Because now the employee can just go claim that they got COVID at the job site. Uh, We've got insurances that have gone up. We've got wages that have gone through the roof. Uh, Right now, fuel has more than doubled for us. So uh, we've got a lot of little things that are like little intricacies that you need to work out. Oh, yeah. Uh, But, you know, it's not anything that you can't get past. Uh, Have I thought about doing seminars or, yes, I've thought about speaking. Right. So if somebody asked me to go up and speak at a, uh, a home show or 
some form of seminar or whatever it may be. I, I'm more than happy. I'm your guy. Call me. Uh, but I haven't thought about doing seminars in the form of classes. Um, with classes, I, if there's a need there, I'm more than happy to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not a person that likes to sit idle, so I like to stay busy. So if I can find a few hours a week to do that, then, hey, let's, let's hammer it out. Um, but no, I haven't thought about that as of yet. Okay. Yeah. And as you say that, I think about it just in the designer's mind, it's the same way with designers they are really good at designing, but they don't have the business side of it. And that's where they drag their feet on stuff. That's where they lose jobs. Um, it's all about the trust of the customer. And if they don't trust you because you missed, you know, something on the ordering process or something like that, that could destroy your whole um, look in your area. So you're not getting any referrals. Yeah. So what, what we're seeing with designers, the issue right now specifically is if the designer is tasked with designing the house, it's not usually as big of a deal. However, they need to be cognizant of what the timelines are that materials are out right now, because you've got stuff that's stuck on boats for months at a time sitting offshore right now. Um, and, and then, like you said, the scheduling, a lot of the designers are tasked with not only designing the house, but getting the material to the property or to the job site, wherever it may be. And therefore some of them aren't getting them on time. And now the construction process is delayed. Well, as, as a client, the client just knows that their, their project is delayed, right? Yeah. Uh, they don't necessarily take into consideration or take into account who delayed it. They just know, hey, I hired a designer. I hired a contractor. I hired an architect. My architect's done. Plans are approved. Everything's set. So it's my designer, my contractor, one or the other. And therefore, you take at least 50% of the heat, right? Oh, yeah. When it comes to that type of thing, mm-hmm. which we're used to. You know, I mean, for, for contractors, we're used to having headaches and things pop up every single day. Um, and it's just kind of something in the trades that you have to learn to deal with. That's that's another issue with a lot of contracts. You have a lot of a lot of hotheads out there. Um, I like to call it old school contracting. Now, those the guy, old school guys are the ones that uh, used a lot of cuss words on the job site and were constantly yelling and you find beer cans laying around and whatnot. You know, that, that's old school contracting. Um, the newer construction is a little bit different, a little bit more formal. Uh, but you know, you, you get rid of a lot of that frustration and that's part of the issue with some of these contractors is that they're more of that old school mentality. Yeah. You're an old school mentality trying to do business in a new world. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work that way. What are, what's some of the advice that you would have for a designer, um, to get a better relationship with the contractor they're working with? Um, start as soon as possible. Okay. So if you know that you've locked in a contract now, designers can work multiple ways. They can be hired by the, whoever the homeowner is. Maybe you have a um, project management company that is now hiring the designer and they're hiring the contractor and all the subs and whoever else, or they can work directly with the contractor. So if you're working directly with the contractor, what I would say is, from day one, get in there, listen to the client, see what they want. And let's start figuring out materials, right? Come up with some pallets right away. And let's figure out based on, on these 
on our, our dream palettes of what we want. Let's come up with three or four options. You don't want it to be like Cheesecake Factory where you open the menu and there's 50 million things and nobody can ever choose what they want, right? So give them a few options. And from there, you can nail down a very good scheme that you're going to go off of. And if the light fixture happens to change or you know minor things happen to change, it's not a big deal. But you can lay down a few different design palettes and figure out what that person likes and really zero in on where you're going. Now, with that in mind, that designer can now go and start sourcing this style of cabinets, these light fixtures, these faucets, and they can figure out, okay, if this person wants to do uh, an extremely modern design, can I get this faucet and this light fixture, et cetera, that go with this design? Or do I need to head this off before I come back? Because the last thing you want to do is come back to a client the day before you're supposed to be installing these fixtures and tell them, hey, sorry, we can't get it, right? So you've got plenty of time before fixtures go in. And from the designer standpoint, the designer's stuff comes in after drywall. That, that's when all the designer stuff starts coming into play. So um, it really should be easy because you've got a good, say, four weeks or so until drywall's up on, on many jobs. So, and, and it even further, six to eight weeks if you're talking about going through the permit process, et cetera. So if they hired you before you started working with the architect and getting permits, you should have had eight weeks to go out and get all this material. Yeah. Uh, so there really is no excuse then. Uh, unless you find some material that's 12 or 16 weeks out. But getting in on the front end and being prepared is something that's crucial. If you as the designer are tasked with getting that material, providing it to your client and getting it to the job site, then don't be afraid to ask that client for the payment for that material. That way you're not stuck if the client decides to bail on you halfway through or change their mind and now the material is non-returnable, whatever it may be, you have the product, you did your job. If they decide to change it, they decide to change it. There's nothing you can do about that. But what you can do something about is making sure that you do your job right the first time. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, I kind of asked that question selfishly because I wanted to better myself as a designer. All yeah. the viewers that are listening that are designers as well, it helped them too. But I, I think that helped me a lot, you know, just, um, like I said, you know, it's very hard to find a contractor. And when I do find a really good contractor, they're hard to um, get them to work on your jobs because they're booked solid because everybody knows that they're a solid contractor. So um, doing everything in my power to make sure that I do everything correct, that they would want to keep working with me is definitely right. something I would love. Um, one last question is there a future for you on TV? Like, would you want to still be on TV in the future now that Flipper Flop's over? So as of right now, I have no clue. There's no plan for anything as of right now. Um, If somebody asked me if I would like to do something again, whether it's another flipping show or um, whether it's even building new houses. Yeah. I'm all in, you know, yes, I would do it again. It's fun. You know, and getting to know the guys that are on the production crew, the, the cameramen, the sound guys, the PAs, your director, even the, even the EPs that are behind the scenes. You know, these are people that now like my, my EP. So I talked with Ian, literally, he was our EP for the show. And I talked with him every single day, many days, multiple times a day. So you get this friendship formed, right? Okay. And now that the show's over, 
you know, I don't get to talk to them anymore. So, you know, it's kind of like, hey, you lost a little bit of friendship, that, that feeling, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get to see the people that you're used to seeing, uh, you know, pretty often. So yeah. I've got camera guys that, are, that I've, you know, become friends with and the, the sound guys. And we, we have our sound guy. One of the guys is, is absolutely hilarious. So one of the guys, Dave, I mean, this guy just, he throws some zingers out there and he's got good comebacks and one-liners. So it really makes working on the show fun. Yeah. Right? Um, so going to the set is fun. Uh, it's not fun having to tell him something that I know is going to make him upset. Uh, whether or not it's going to be a delay or cost him extra money. Uh, that part I don't look forward to, but it's reality. And that's just a part of doing the job uh, over the years. He's gotten much better at taking it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I will say that. So he's gotten much better at taking it because he knows, you know, this is just part of what happens and it comes along with the territory. Yeah. That's so, so. funny you say that because I was talking with Greg Smith from unfinished business a few months ago. Um, and he said the same thing about behind the scenes and all the relationships and stuff. Yeah. I think it'd be so cool to have like a behind the scenes of a show, like a season after the season. Just yeah, maybe there, maybe there will be. We'll have to see. Yeah, that'd be. I don't, awesome. I don't know what's coming up ahead. So oh, I hope we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, yeah. I want to finish on just saying all your Instagram tags, social media, where people could find you and follow you and figure out if you're going to get another show. Okay. So as of right now, social media is still pretty new to me. Uh, I'm not really a big computer guy. I mean, it's kind of, uh, I've always joked with people. I can build you a house. I can build you a motor, but I'll ruin your computer in about two minutes. (laughs) So um, I'm not too much of a computer guy Uh, on social media. I'm at contractor dot Jeff. That's on Instagram. Uh, my Facebook is private, so I only just have a couple of people that are on there, not that many, and I don't have Twitter or any of the other things. So in reality, it's just Instagram, but um, that's what I tend to keep everybody updated on there. Yeah. And for those of you that are fans and have been loyal fans of the show for several years, even if it's just the last season that you guys watched, then I do want to say thank you to you guys. Uh, it's been a great ride, and for everything that been in my life that's been provided to me it's it's owed to you guys so um you know we do want to say thank you and and all of us we fully understand that we would not be where we're at today without you guys yeah awesome yeah i mean that it's sad the show's over but it definitely changed the landscape of house flipping not just house flipping shows but just house flipping all across the country so thank you for um being part of that show yeah. Hey, thanks, Eric. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jeff. Um, yeah. for coming on to the podcast and can't wait to get this out and definitely stay in touch. Right on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Yeah. Press the.